Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me in the studio this evening, Megan Miller. Megan, welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. So, you are the first lady I've ever had in the studio on the Bible Thumper podcast. Wow. Don't make me regret it. <laughs> okay, so Megan, um, how long have we known each other? I was just trying to think of that today. We were introduced through friends shortly after you moved to the Valley, I think. I think so. I think you and your family I met as one of the first kind of families that I became friends with. Mm -hmm. So we're talking 20 years. I think it has been. So how have you and your family been able to put up with me for over 20 years? <laughs> well, actually, you still hold the record. <laughs> when you came to our house for our home church groups, mm -hmm. the person who kept your paper cup in mm -hmm. good condition and mm -hmm. used it for over one year. <laughs> and we were so proud of you. <laughs> Because we always put people's names on their cups sure. and save them for next time. So I wasn't wasteful. You had the running record. That's great. Yes. And no one's beaten that. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Okay. So, um, Megan, the I like to have people on here that folks in the Christian community might find interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when I was talking to a few of my friends and we were kind of brainstorming, your name came up as someone we would find to be interesting. And by interesting, I mean different. Yeah. Okay. So I try not to have any Christians on here that are just vanilla because <laughs> there's so many of them and they're not, you know, what is, what is right. there to talk about? Yeah. So I wanted to have someone on here that was different and we could get a different perspective on a bunch of stuff. Okay. Sounds so good. how about you just tell us a little bit about yourself um, where you grow up a little mm -hmm. bit about your family mm -hmm. and then, you know, when you got saved uh, what brought you to the Valley, kind of that stuff. So start with that and I'll jump in with a whole bunch of questions along the way. Okay. Sounds good. So I am the third of four children. I was born in Pennsylvania, but we moved shortly after and lived in Oklahoma for about six, seven years. And then I've been in Colorado ever since moving through different places different of parts. Colorado. Sure. Right. Let's see. I think I officially prayed to ask Jesus into my heart when I was three. Okay. Because I'd heard about it at Sunday school. Uh-huh. And there was already a very clear understanding in my life that I was a sinner. Mm -hmm. like, I sure. knew I did wrong things. Yeah. No trouble understanding. Grasping that, that concept. Okay. So I remember praying with my mom one night, sitting on my bed. Then... As I grew up and over the years, as I heard a teaching that showed a deeper understanding of what it meant to be saved, sure, there were multiple times of what people would call a rededication yeah, kind yeah. of thing where it's like, whoa, I suddenly understand what I committed to. Yeah. And God, I want to say I really mean it. Mm -hmm. So there were multiple times, I think there probably still will be yeah. throughout my life, where it sinks in deeper. What does it actually mean? And I was going to ask that because three is pretty young. It's very young. So oftentimes I, I would ask, you know, was there a time when you were, because we obviously, I mean, you and mo most of my audience knows we have six kids and mm -hmm. the youngest one is seven. Mm -hmm. And, and Patrick was asking about heaven and hell mm -hmm. for the first time in the last couple of months and, you know, was talked to and explained about that. 
but all of my kids, except for one, has come back to us and was like, mm -hmm. tell me about that again. You mm -hmm. know, and, and because all of a sudden they, they understand a little better. They understand the seriousness of heaven and hell and eternity. And they're exactly. like, I really want to make sure I got this thing right. Yeah. So was there another time, you know, later on mm -hmm. where you're like, you know, mom, I'm, you know, can we go over this again? Because right. I really want to be sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know as it was a go over it again. Mm -hmm. I think I heard it often enough sure. through it that it just cemented the understanding. I do remember a time, probably 12, 13-ish, where it became like a really deep hunger. I really want to know God. I want to be close to God. I need to have God like active and living in my life, not just a, yes, I know I'm a sinner and mm -hmm. I prayed, but not just fire insurance. Correct. Okay. Correct. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And, and, and tell me if you agree with this idea, cause, cause I've talked, you know, with Caleb about this and mm -hmm. some other folks, you know, there's a time when folks get saved and that, that really is fire insurance. You know, I, right. I've had people complain, like, you shouldn't just get saved because of hell. And I'm like, I don't know why else someone would get saved. That's why I got saved. I wanted to go to heaven. I did not want to go to hell. But then there's a totally different time when you are going to dedicate your life to God mm -hmm. because you want to take this seriously and you want God to be the only thing you're worshiping in your life mm -hmm. and you don't want to just have it be kind of a passive, oh yeah, you know, I'm a Christian and I did get saved and that's the end of it. Correct. So then you have a you have times when you will go to God and you will make your uh, desire for him to be in your life known mm -hmm. and more serious. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that you were talking about where you've done that many times and you can see right. that's going to happen even more in the future right. as we learn more about God, as the Holy Spirit convicts our heart and all exactly. of a sudden we're like, man, I well, I'd never even thought about that. Lord, I need to get this thing right. Exactly. So, so now, um, from what you were telling us so far, you were really in church from when you were first, first born yeah. and you were the youngest of, you're the, the third, third of four. Of four. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so two boys uh -huh. and then me then, and then my okay, younger sister. Two boys, then two girls. Right. Were your mom and dad in church from when they first had your oldest brother? Yes. Okay. So all of you kids mm -hmm. from the beginning mm -hmm. were in church. Right. What type of church was that that you were going to when you first remember going to church? My first memories of church was a non-denominational charismatic. Okay. And you guys are not in a non-denominational charismatic <laughs> church today. No, so, we're not. Okay, so there yeah. was a little bit of transformation as it went. Okay, so three years old, you got saved. Mm -hmm. um, when did you get baptized? Was that something that they looked to do right after? No. Okay. No, that was... And I don't know if it was just because an opportunity didn't present itself at the moment, mm -hmm. or it was mom and dad wanted me to make sure I understood. You were a little older <laughs> right. and understood. I more. was, sure. yeah, I was 13, 14. Okay. Mm -hmm. So where in the country were you? Because at that time you were in Oklahoma. Correct. When, Maybe. I, when I prayed, Yeah. when I was three, I was in Oklahoma. Okay. Right. So then... Um, where did you guys, so, so how about this? Let's mm -hmm. do this. <clears throat> if you had to describe the group you belong to, mm -hmm. right? Cause that's what everyone asks, <laughs> right? Every right. time. What I, are you? Yeah. What right. are you? Okay. Right. Everyone, all of us get that question all the time. And, yes. and that's a normal question, you know, yeah. um, especially 
for any of us that are different in mm-hmm. any way. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, yeah, what, what's mm-hmm. the name of the, you know? Right. Okay. What would you, you're pinned down. You have to tell us <laughs> what, what do you call yourself? Yeah. What, yeah. Where do you, what group do you feel comfortable associating with? That's a really good question. Sure. And it can be multiple. Yeah. Because I, I tell people I'm an independent Baptist with messianic leanings. Like that's <laughs> right. what I tell people. Right. I'm like, that's if good. I'm going to be honest, that's really where I'm at. Right. You know? Okay. Yep. What do you think? So, yes, it would be very conservative Mm -hmm. (laughs) with, I hesitate to use the word messianic simply because. That was my next question. Most people, (laughs) when you, when they say like, oh, I've heard of, are you messianic? Uh Usually they're referencing something in their memory that they connect with. I knew someone who was. Yeah. What Um, do you think people typically think of when they hear that term there are congregations that are called messianic congregations sometimes they call it messianic jewish sometimes they just say messianic yeah with that there is such a wide variety of beliefs and lifestyle that Mm -hmm. take part with that that i want to be careful using it because when people say oh i know someone who's messianic they're gonna then they say oh you match those people correct and that could very likely be inaccurate sure. information. Yeah. So, we just went, we just talked about that. I think we did. We were, it was more of a glance. And that was when we were at a public speaking thing with uh-huh. my family and some friends. And I asked you about a pastor mm-hmm. of a messianic mm-hmm. fellowship. Mm-hmm. And you said, yep, that's mm-hmm. the pastor. Right. And I glanced at you and you looked back at me and it's like, Loud and clear. Okay, I got it. And that would be one where if you were put into that box, people would assume you believe all of those things. So I I totally get that. And really, that's why people want to know. What are you? You know, because they're trying to figure out. I need to put you in a box. Yeah, and I want to figure out what you believe. And I don't want to have a two-hour conversation with you. (laughs) Exactly. So with that, a simple summary. Mm -hmm. One time my mom and sister and I were hiking. Mm -hmm. And... Past some people on the trail, and as you do, you get chatting. Yeah. And the lady, as people do, so so what are you? Yeah. And my sister said, you know, we don't really have a denomination name, mm-hmm. but we believe the Bible, and we try to do what it says. Sure. And the lady said, what a great idea. <laughs> now, of course, with that, you get from any denominational slant Mm -hmm. you have a wide variety of interpretations what the bible says and how you can live it out but that's pretty good description of us i get it okay so you said conservative right okay so as a conservative christian woman i just want you to whenever you go home just thank whatever man is in charge of you for letting you out of the house <laughs> to come and talk right. in public this Unlocked was amazing yes. did were, did you were, did you drive here yourself i did get out of I here <laughs> okay so your chaperone just dropped you off yep. gave your shoes back after you were out of the kitchen and right. let you right. that's amazing yep. i'm just so glad that um, they allowed you to be here mm-hmm. uh, with us today. A few moments of freedom. Yeah. And yeah. I always joke about that, be, you know, because some folks that look down on Christianity have right. this idea, you know. Right. That the ladies are locked in the house. Oh, yeah. Them. Right. Yeah. So I find that funny. So <laughs> thank you for laughing. What beliefs do you hold to that stand out as different or odd from mainstream Christianity? Mm-hmm. Mostly with that would be beliefs that would be categorized as Jewish. 
Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me what you mean by that. Yeah. As we walked along our journey, basically following my parents as they sure. looked, you know, tried to find God and studied the word. Um they found they that found their church <laughs> right. and what right. the Bible So I'll back said. up just a little bit to my parents. Right. Didn't quite line Wasn't up. Wasn't <laughs> exactly in line. Right. right. Okay. So both my parents grew up not knowing each other, different mm-hmm. states. Both grew up in the Methodist church. Oh, really? Okay. In that, they, I don't think either one was ever given a clear understanding of what salvation is or why they would ever need it. Really? Yes. Much more the... You're a good person, so you go to church. Sure. Obviously, everybody you're going goes to, to church. Yeah. Right. Mom thought she was a Christian as a child because she believed there was a God. Mm-hmm. Therefore, she's a Christian. Yeah. So both of them grew up in Methodist. They go through part of their adult life. They meet each other. They get married. And then both of them, when they're talking, recognize and agree that probably a lot of the issues, the problems that they've dealt with came from not knowing God. Mm. And so they said, we should probably try to go to church. Okay. So they looked around, did a little church hunting. They found one fairly quickly. This was in Erie, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. a Methodist church. So they felt comfortable with it. But for with, sure, because that's a, where they're from. Right. It was with a pastor who taught the word. It was a church okay. that was alive. There was a body ministry interaction. Mm-hmm. They started learning the word. They, they both came to an understanding of what salvation was and dedicated their lives to God. After that... As they were studying scripture, they would say, well, what is, what is this? And what is the Bible talking about here? Mm-hmm. And they would get the answers of, well, that was, that's for then, but that's not for now, mm-hmm. or any number of the typical kinds of like brush them off because sure. it doesn't fit our theology. Yeah. But it really bothered them. And so my dad had kind of this list of like his top 10, what, what about this What about stuff? these? Right. Mm-hmm. So we moved because of dad's work. He went to visit a church at the new city walked in, and the pastor said in the Sunday school class, now the last couple of weeks I've talked about these things and with some of the stuff on dad's list. Oh, really? And he said, and today I'm going to talk about this. And it was on his list. Wow. And in the next few weeks, we're going. it was like he just laid out dad's list. No kidding. And dad said, I think God is saying we should this go is here. where we should yeah. go. And what type so, of church was that? That was the non-denominational charismatic. Okay. Wow. Great. Yeah. So he feels like we're going to get some answers. This is this amazing. This is going to be right. great. Okay, right. Good. So the next few years we were there at that church and they just, mom and dad just ate it up and felt like they grew so, so much in their understanding of scripture. And at the same time, as they kept reading scripture, there were other things where they'd say, but what about this? Mm-hmm. Like we've just keep feeling like there's something more. Sure. So in that, um, dad especially said, you know, I want to know two things. I want to know more about the background of our faith, and I want to know more about Jewish things. And these were just two things in his heart. He had no idea that they were the same thing, mm-hmm. just combined. So um, mom started just calling around. We visited actually a couple just traditional synagogues, mm-hmm. and the people were really friendly and really welcoming, and mom and dad really appreciated their open heart. But dad also knew that he was not going to raise his family mm-hmm. in a congregation setting with such different understandings of who the Messiah is. So those were actual Jewish synagogues. Actual Jewish, Jewish synagogues. Okay. Yep. So with that, one day my mom was calling on just synagogue phone numbers out of the phone book and called a place and asked if they allowed visitors and gave a little background mm-hmm. story. And the man said, yep, you're welcome to come. More than happy to have you. But do you know what kind of a rabbi I am? 
Mm. And mom said, I'm really sorry. I don't even know what kind of rabbis there are. Sure. I didn't know there were multiple right. kinds. There okay. are kinds. Yeah. So he said, well, I'm a rabbi that believes that Jesus is the Messiah. And you're like, wow. That's what she said. Okay. So we started going there. And just in the very short time of a few meetings, dad said, I want to commit to one year. Okay. I don't want to just jump in and jump out. I want sure. to give the people time. I want to learn. I want to study. Yeah. But if it's something really wacky, I'm not just going to commit <laughs> to For the forever. rest of our life, we're right. just joining right. this thing. No. Yeah. yeah. He wanted to be cautious. Mm -hmm. So after that, he told people, and we've been doing it one year at a time ever since. So now, right there, I got to tell you, this is the issue that I see a lot of Christians have. Mm -hmm. Christians take the step and they want to learn more about the Bible and they feel drawn to study the Bible mm -hmm. and pray and learn more about God. Yeah. And then they run into some things that the Bible says that don't jive with their church. Mm -hmm. And then they bring those things up. Sometimes they just push that down. Right. Okay, just pack it down real deep and hard right. and forget about it. Other times they bring it up and they are often given the same, well, and it gets brushed off rather right. than dealing with it head on. And most people never get beyond that point because mm -hmm. the idea of stepping away from everything I'm being told right. and making the decision, you know what, God, we're just going to feel a lot more comfortable if we do just what the Bible says, even though it's not popular. Mm -hmm. Not many folks are willing to even... It's a very uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, not even right. willing to entertain that as a possibility. Right. So nobody goes any further than that, even though they might have a list, just like your dad did. Right. Where it's like, these things are... But aren't... what about this? Yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, for me, and I don't want to get off on this, but as a uh, brand new you know, Bible reader going through mm -hmm. the Bible, mm -hmm. and then my first year in church, my first question was the very first spring. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do bunnies laying <laughs> eggs have to do with Jesus raising from the dead? Right. And what was a bigger concern to me was that nobody had even considered <laughs> asking that question yet. Yes. And I was like, guys, none of us see this as a red flag, like mm -hmm. something we should investigate further. So not only <laughs> did nobody have an answer for me, everyone looked at me as if I had two heads. Right. Like, what are you talking about? What's your Is problem? It, yeah, what's the problem with this? <laughs> yeah. And and that's all it was, was having a curiosity and not just accepting everything I was told, mm -hmm. but when something didn't line up, saying, well, wait a minute, if this doesn't line up with the Bible, then what's wrong with doing it differently. Right. Uh, and, and I just find that so few people are willing to take the red pill. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you know what I mean when I say the red pill? I have heard it so many You've times heard it. in the okay. last two Can years. Can I explain it to you? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because out of everything I love about you, Megan, your knowledge and understanding of popular culture with Hollywood movies is <laughs> is lacking. Okay, so for sure so, it is, which is yeah. fine. Okay, that's admirable. But in this case, so in the movie The Matrix, okay, with Keanu Reeves, I think it was like back in 1990. It was such an old movie. The what the 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 premise of the movie was that every single one of us on Earth are actually in a comatose state where we are being 
uh, humans are harvested by machines, so the machines have taken over, and we are just used as an energy source, and they keep us uh, sedentary and sleeping, and they feed us intravenously, and there are these groups of people that have gotten out of, you know, this... Uh, this life, which for us is all like a virtual reality life that's going on. Okay. So what happens is when people start realizing that there's something wrong with the world and this doesn't make sense, mm -hmm. this group approaches them and they say, here's the deal. And they mm -hmm. show you what's going on mm -hmm. and they show you how you are, you know, asleep right now. And this is a dream put mm -hmm. on by the computers to keep you, you know, in this, in this way. And, and, and they say, here are your options. Mm -hmm. You can take the blue pill and we will leave and you will go back to sleep and mm -hmm. you will forget all of this and you will live your normal, happy life with your job and your pet and your mm -hmm. whatever. <laughs> Or you can take the red pill and you will, you know, as Alice did, go down the rabbit hole mm -hmm. and you will learn everything mm -hmm. and you will get out, you will be awakened from your sleep and you will see the world as it really is. So anyway, the idea of the red pill is the idea that you take the red pill and you wake up and you start to recognize that what you've been told is a lie. Mm -hmm. And there is actually some truth over here that sounds kind of crazy, you know, and you people might think you're wearing a tinfoil hat, you know, <laughs> because you have ideas that are different. So yeah. you and your family have taken some red pills along right. the way right. and said, I don't care what everyone tells me. I want to know what the truth is, mm -hmm. and that has led you to where you are. Mm -hmm. Did that help? Did I yeah, explain that? Was a that? Good okay, so yeah. it would be worth watching the first twenty minutes of the movie The Matrix mm -hmm. just to see that. You know, <laughs> the whole movie was very entertaining. It was a great idea, very uh -huh. different from whatever. Uh -huh. You know, but uh, anyway, beyond that, um, so you guys were somewhat red pilled, mm -hmm. and you decided, you know what, we're going to give this a year. Mm -hmm. if we don't feel comfortable, if we don't like it, right. we can always go somewhere else. Right. That's okay. Right. Okay. So yeah. uh, you guys decided to start going there. Right. How old were you at that time? I was five-ish. Okay. Five so you five really didn't, you, this is all you've really known. Basically. Okay. I do remember which, what I would call traditional Christianity, uh -huh. going to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm going out to the salad bar afterwards, uh -huh. having Christmas, having Easter, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Yeah. But it's a very, very small part sure. of my memory. Okay. Yeah. So how old was Andy, your oldest brother, mm -hmm. at this time? What do you think? He would have been about 11, 10 or 11. Did he have, or, or your older brother, Timmy, did mm -hmm. either of them have any trouble making the switch? I do remember just a few... A few conversations of kind of just like, what are we doing? Yeah. What happened to church yeah. kind of idea? Why are we doing this special supper on Friday night? What oh, are, yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. Yep. What's going on? Because all of a sudden, because so, we went through the same transition. Mm -hmm. As you know, you know, we don't celebrate Christmas. Mm -hmm. We don't celebrate Easter. Um, we celebrate the holy days that we read about in the Bible. Yeah. It's coming up a week from today. Yes. Right? Pentecost. Yes. yes. Um, and 
in doing that, you know, we started celebrating Hanukkah, mm-hmm. um, not really as a replacement for Christmas, although it's convenient. It's very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we, we started making those switches and it's only been the last four or five years for us. So mm-hmm. all of our kids have been old enough to be like, what is this? <laughs> right. You know, right. which is normal. Right. Um, but what we found was that if nothing else, mm-hmm. all the holy days are centered around a family spending time together with God. Yeah. So for me, when, when my wife and I were looking at it and we were talking about it, it, it really was like, why isn't every Christian doing this? These are yeah. wonderful times they are where wonderful. Yeah, we take time off and we get into the Bible more mm-hmm. and we spend more time together as a family. And these are all wonderful things. Like yep. for if if you don't go any deeper than that, mm-hmm. it was just a great transition for us. And mm-hmm. all the kids love it. They're like, really? We're taking how many days do we get off? And what are we doing? You know, so we get to build a fort in yeah, the backyard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna camp out together yes. and And yeah. God says do this. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So all of the all of the things really ended up being good for us. And I'm assuming even though there were some questions right. You know, the transition wasn't nearly as scary as I think a lot of Christians are scared it's going to be. Right. Like, oh, my soul, are we even allowed to do this? What's going to (laughs) happen? Yes. Okay, so you guys are going there for a year, Mm -hmm. and how does it go? It was good. In that year, we experienced our first holy days. Our first holy day was Passover, Mm -hmm. and that just kind of blew my parents out of the water. Okay. Suddenly, they were seeing the Bible in, like, full color. Coming Taste, alive. touch, smell, sound, everything coming alive. And the congregation was very small, and mm-hmm. the teacher, rabbi, pastor, whatever you want to call him, was very much a teacher heart. Mm-hmm. And so we'd have the little service, and then mom and dad would sit down with him and just ask questions all afternoon, yeah. just with their Bibles, asking, yeah. asking, asking, and growing, growing. And I think that's what really solidified dad in that decision of, I think this is a good direction. Mm-hmm. These are answering questions. This is a way we want to go. I see it right here in the Word. Mm-hmm. It's not just tr- church tradition or denominational thinking, but it's right here in the Word. Yep. Now, with that, going back to what I'd said about the things that are called Jewish, mm-hmm. that's typically what people get hung up on because, well, a few different things, I would say. People don't want to be called Jewish. Like, what are you doing? Just sure. pretending to be Jewish? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a strange... Oh, yeah. place to go. Mm-hmm. And and it's a little bit hard for people to understand. My dad's sister still refers to the time when we changed religions. Sure. And my dad tried to explain to her multiple times. You know, we, we didn't really change religion. We still believe Jesus is the Messiah, that we're saved through his work, you know, all of these things. But we just have learned different ways or added to our understanding that grew as we were introduced to other information. You know, one thing, because I've had to have all these conversations that we're talking about. And one thing I would point out to people is that really a lot of this stuff isn't all that Jewish because they didn't do a lot of it (laughs) and they didn't do it very well. Right. You know, so these are and and what a lot of folks don't even get. And I, I always go to 
It's Leviticus 21 and 23. 23 mm. is the holy days. 21 is the sacrifices. Is that it? Or do I have it mm, backwards? No, 23 is the holy days. Holy days. Mm. I always turn people to the holy days. And Caleb and I were talking about right. this. And when you go through it and you read through it, it's like, okay, whose holy days are these? Right. And it says the Lord's yes. days. And these the are Lord's, my, these holy, are yeah. my right. holy days. Yeah. And this is the way I... Right. And when you go through it, you're like, wow, these are God's special days. Mm-hmm. Uh it just happened that he was telling the Jews because they were the only people that were even close to listening right, to him. Right. So that's who was telling. But he's like, no, no, no. These are my days. Right. These are the days that you celebrate to learn more about me. Exactly. And what does every single holy day point to, Megan? Messiah. That's it. Yep. Every single one. Dad would always say that. Every holy day is like neon flashing yeah. sign saying yep. Messiah, Messiah is Messiah, coming. Messiah. Yeah, yep. every single one. Messiah is coming or... Mm-hmm. Or for us, this is what he did for this us. This is what he did. Right. Yep. From our perspective in history. Yeah. Now, with that, it's good to clarify these are God's special days. Mm-hmm. But it is not wrong to call them Jewish. Sure. Because the Jewish people have been the only ones who have faithfully held on to them yeah. throughout history. Certainly not keeping them perfectly. I would argue faithful, but go ahead. <laughs> right. But still today. Right. Yes. From, the, from Moses till today, they're the only group of people who ever... I uh, identified themselves with it and took it as their thing and said, we're going to do it. Now, there are plenty of times where they fell off the wagon and (laughs) messed things up terribly. But it's still uh, the Sabbath, Shabbat, Mm -hmm. the holy days, Mm -hmm. eating kosher, anything in that category is always called Jewish. Absolutely. Circumcision. Correct. Okay, because these are the things that were throughout history outlawed and made capital crimes. Correct. Okay, there were times in history when if you were circumcised, you were killed. Correct. If you kept the Sabbath day, you were killed. If you only ate kosher meat. Yep. Yes. You were killed. Correct. Um, so there were times when 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 men wanted to persecute a certain group of people, that's Correct. what they attacked. They attacked mm-hmm. what distinguished mm-hmm. them from the rest of the world at the Correct. time. And Paul in Romans gives this list, like who are the Israelites? Mm-hmm. They are the ones who have been given yeah. the temple service, mm-hmm. the words of God, yeah. like all of these things. That's their identity. Yeah. So praise the Lord. They held on to it in some way, shape, or form up yes. to this day so that we can learn. Yeah. Okay, so you guys um, have been doing this uh, all your life, Mm -hmm. and now you are at a place where you are still not in a uh, church where you go on a Sunday. Correct. You are one of those weirdos (laughs) that that does things different and is so annoying to so many Christians. (laughs) Hopefully not too annoying. Just now, different. It's 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 just it, what right. you know. It's not annoying. It's uncomfortable. It can be. I think that's what it really comes down to. But you know, honestly, knowing you and knowing your family, um, let me just say, knowing you, I've never felt the hard sell. Mm-hmm. You know, for any of this. Mm-hmm. You know, what I've always felt is. Uh, someone that's very happy to talk about the Bible and these things right. when approached on it, right. you know, but that's it. Because right. really, you know, my hard sell is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Without him, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. That's the hard sell. We need you to understand that he is the way, the truth and life and, and no one gets to heaven, but through him beyond that, 
um, I would love to help anyone learn the Bible more and mm-hmm. get closer to God. But mm-hmm. I always tell folks, I understand that my brand of Christianity right. is not going to be for everyone. I mean, if you just took a stand on Easter and right. nothing else, right? you are going to have holy fire <laughs> rain down from your in-laws and your family. Yes. And, you, you know, yes. I mean, it's such a stance. Just that one thing, if right. you felt uncomfortable about bunnies and eggs, right. that alone is enough to start World War III with most families. So right. I get why a lot of people don't want to, you right. know, come this way. Right. Okay, so... Now, you say... Go I'm going to go back on slime. Jump said, on it. Yeah, you say your brand isn't isn't going to be for everyone. And I would, without trying to sound preachy. Go ahead. This is Bible Thumper. The name of the podcast is Bible Thumper. I would say up, like through this point of history, mm-hmm. it might not be everyone's. Yeah. But at some point, we will all be pulled together with mm-hmm. one flock and oh, yeah. one shepherd. Oh, yeah. And we'll be following our shepherd very, very closely. Yeah. And yeah. I would say that those people are going to pull in, like leave a lot of the pagan traditions and all those things behind behind and pull in to be a lot more just directly biblical. I tell people all the time, I say, okay, because I always love whenever I get, you know, resistance from someone that knows the Bible. I'm like, okay, uh, Jesus is coming back, right? Oh yeah, he's coming back (laughs) and he's going to set up his kingdom on earth, right? Oh yeah, he's going to set up his kingdom, second coming. I said, and there's going to be a temple, right? Oh yeah, there's going to be a temple. I say, do you know what days it's open? Right. Because it's only open two times a year, every Sabbath and on Yom Kippur. That's it. That's Those, when the prince is there. That's when, when Jesus comes back mm-hmm. and there's the thousand year millennial reign when right. he is reigning from right. Jerusalem. Right. Okay. There is the fourth temple. So now are you a four temple believer? That's a good question. Okay. So let me go over them and you okay. tell. Okay, okay. So what we have is um, we have the tabernacle, which I'm not going to count as a temple right. because it's the tabernacle. It was the right. precursor to the temple. So we have the tabernacle in the 40 years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we can argue it wasn't exactly 40 years, but that's okay. Right. Right. Um, while they're wandering through the desert. Right. Okay. Then after uh, they, uh, the Jews wanted a king. Okay. Right. So they, just to fill in yeah, jump the 40 in. years in the wilderness. Yes. Then they landed in Israel. In Canaan land. Right? Yes. It was set they up. They still had it. In Shiloh. But not in Jerusalem. Correct. In yes. Shiloh for in, 369 years. Yep. So it was a good long time with the tabernacle. Yes. So then what happened was uh, they wanted a king. They got mm-hmm. Saul. Then mm-hmm. they got David. And then David wanted to build a permanent temple. God right. said no, but your son's going to do it. Solomon built the temple. Right. Okay. So we have... First temple is Solomon's temple. Okay, so then what we have is they were in Israel. They didn't have the temple for this long, but they were in Israel for 490 years. And what they failed to do for one out of every seven of those years was honor the Sabbath of years and let the land rest. Okay, so for 490 years, they were supposed to take one year off every seven and let the land rest, Mm -hmm. let it lay fallow, just let the birds go to it. Don't plant, don't sow, don't right. gather, nothing. Right. And they didn't do that. So then God says, okay, I'm getting my 70 years. <laughs> so he uses the, uh, the nation of Babylon to come in and they lay siege and they take away Daniel. And then they take away Ezekiel and then Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem. And after the third siege, there's really not much left over there at all. And right. they tear down the walls and they destroy the city and they destroy the temple and they take away all the implements. But... The Ark and the Mercy Seat. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
that's I just throw that in there, you know, as <laughs> because it's credit. so interesting. Because it is interesting. Because <laughs> yes. it never left. Yeah. Well, we don't know if it never left Israel, and there's arguments to be made, but we know it was not taken away to Babylon. Correct. So then, what happens is they spend seventy years in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Then they come back. You have uh, Nehemiah, you have Ezra, and you have the rebuilding of the wall and the city and the right. and the temple. Right. So you have the second temple. Correct. Okay. So this second temple remains all the way through, even though it was desecrated, mm-hmm. you know, by Antiochus Epiphanes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they cleanse the temple again and they use it all the way up till the time of Christ. Correct. And when the Messiah comes, that temple is there and he talks about how it's going to get torn down right. and there's not going to be one stone left upon another. Right. So then in 70 AD, the Romans under uh, Titus Aspasian, uh, he lays siege. He was not Caesar. He was the son of Caesar and he was the next one to take over. But he lays siege to Jerusalem in 70 AD and um, it was during uh, the lead up to the Passover and all the Jews from all over just kept coming in and coming in. They let them go into the city, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't let anyone leave. Mm-hmm. And then they come in and they, I mean, just demolish everything. Again, tear down the walls and the city and the temple and they destroy everything and they light everything on fire. And then the next day, all the Roman soldiers go through the temple because they knew how much gold was there. And they are literally picking up every rock to see if there's a little melted puddle of right. gold. right. And the temple is destroyed. So temple two is now destroyed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So temple number three is what I am waiting for. Are Mm -hmm. you waiting for temple number three? Okay, great. So we're both waiting for temple number three. And the reason we're waiting for temple number three is because the Bible talks about how there is going to be a seven-year period where uh, that Jesus referred to as the time of Jacob's trouble. And there's going to be terrible wrath poured out. Uh, and in the middle of that seven years, the Antichrist is going to stand up in the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. Well, the Holy of Holies only exists in one place, and that's a temple. Right. So we're waiting for that temple to be built, and that is going to be part of the second coming. Correct. Okay. Now, in Ezekiel, mm-hmm. there is a fourth temple talked about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this, the fourth temple and the instructions that, because Ezekiel gives very detailed instructions. He gives measurements. And when you look at this, you're like, this is nothing like any of the other, because the temple had to be a certain size. The tabernacle was a certain size. And then even though the temple was, I'll say, added onto, there were still the three main sections. There was the... Um, when you first walked in, that's where the sacrifices were done, the brass laver, and then mm-hmm. you had the holy place and you had the, the candlestick and the showbread. Right. And then you had the, the smallest room even in there. And that was where the high priest went in once a year on Yom Kippur and only after great ceremonial cleansing and preparation. Mm-hmm. So those three areas were in uh, Solomon's first temple mm-hmm. and they were in the second temple. Right. Um, so then when you get into... Ezekiel, you find out that everything is wildly different. Mm -hmm. It was so different that that writing was almost not allowed into the Bible. But for one rabbi that said, um, when Elijah comes, he will 
explain all that you got it he will explain the discrepancies that we have correct that temple ezekiel's temple is only open one day a week Mm -hmm. on shabbat and it is open one other day a year on yom kippur so that is the temple of the millennial reign Mm -hmm. the thousand year reign once jesus comes and sets up his kingdom okay tell me your thoughts (laughs) i was gonna say that's not the way I read it. Okay. But I would have to go okay. back and look at it again. Sure. So anyway, that's the idea is that in the millennium, mm-hmm. when the Lord comes, he sets up his kingdom yes. and it's like, well. And he will sit and you- reign on the throne of his father, David. <laughs> you got it. And he will, the law will go forth from Jerusalem. Yep. And, and he he'll will sort teach everything. Us his ways. Yeah. Yep. So I always joke with people. I'm like, you don't have to know any of this because you're going to be taught. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, when the Lord returns, you're going to yes. learn all of this. Yes. Because he'll he's, straighten us all you out. Got it. Yep. Yes. Yes. A friend of ours, a Bible teacher, says that he's sure there will still be someone. Yeshua will be sitting on his th- throne. Mm-hmm. He will be teaching. And he said there's still going to be someone in the back saying, yep. No, it's, yeah. no, that's not how this it This isn't goes. how it works. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Okay, so um, tell me, uh, or actually, t- please tell my audience mm-hmm. about your time in Israel. So we have eh, 20 minutes left. Okay. How many times have you been to Israel? I've been 14. 14 times. Yep. Okay, wonderful. So you have a little more experience than me <laughs> never going there. So uh, tell us about, uh, first of all, Why don't you just take a minute or two and tell us about the ministry that you are loosely associated with Mm -hmm. and that you've been over to help with Mm -hmm. many times, Mm -hmm. and then you can go from there and tell us whatever you like about Israel. Okay, sounds good. Okay. So the organization I have volunteered with many times is called Hayovel. It's spelled H-A-Y-O-V-E-L. Hayovel.com, or you can go to serveisrael.com. It was started by a family who had just been farmers in Amish country in Tennessee. And then they had a heart to learn more. They wanted to go to Israel. The dad got to go over. He connected with farmers and specifically one farmer. He found out this farmer needs help. And he thought, well, I have a large family. Mm -hmm. We have lots of children. We could come help him. Where's this farmer from? Tennessee. And does he have any blood relation to the land of Israel? No. Okay. Not that I know of. Okay. So he thought, well, we can come help this farmer. And so they thought, well, let's go. So they tried as a family to go over and help this farmer. But within a year or two, other people heard, you're doing what? Mm -hmm. Can I come? I want to do this too. And then the group just grew from there. Within a few years, a couple years even, they just created this organization called Hayovel. It's It's translated the Jubilee. Okay. And then it's grown since then. Multiple other people and families have joined as staff. And then they have brought literally, I think it's thousands now, mm-hmm. of volunteers over, specifically helping the farmers in the area called Judea and Samaria. Most people know it as the West Bank, but that's a really incorrect term. Mm-hmm. So in the areas of Judea and Samaria. That's northwest. North central. Okay. Like directly above Jerusalem mm-hmm. and in that area. Okay. So I've been over to help with Hayovel nine times. And each time it's been a miracle of provision, which has been really amazing because generally when you think going to Israel, you think that's a lot of money. Sure. It's a lot of time. And the Lord has just miraculously provided in amazing ways. So I really, really appreciate this organization. I appreciate the heart of service 
They don't go in saying, we know what you all need and you better listen to us. Mm -hmm. It's a heart of service. It's a heart of blessing. It's a heart of love. A friend was listening to a description of it and he said, wow, this is, he said, this is really neat. This is like, this is love, but it's love with dirt on it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so real. Like just yeah. go and get your hands in the soil and serve and love and bless. Mm -hmm. and you learn, you learn so much while you're there. So that's been a very big part of our trips to Israel. I also volunteer occasionally with Hayovel. Like right now I'm answering the phone. Mm -hmm. So if you call the U.S. number, you get to talk to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> with that, um, going to Israel was a very, very, for a young person, a lifelong dream come mm -hmm. true. My parents instilled in us as very young children that someday we were going to go to Israel and learn about the Bible and see the places where Jesus was. And I remember laying on my bed when I was pretty sure I was five mm -hmm. and looking into my closet and deciding what I was going to wear when we go to Israel. <laughs> and it took, I think, another 20 years. We prayed for 20 years mm -hmm. to go. That first trip was with a group called Hands to the Land. And the Lord miraculously opened the door and took us there. It was in connection with a kibbutz in Israel, very unusual kibbutz called Beit El. And then Hands to the Land works in connection with the kibbutz. And you go, and it's just kind of a learning experience. You have Bible study. L, mm -hmm. House of God? House of God, yes. Okay. Very good. Well, you got you got to remember, nobody knows these terms. <laughs> yes. So, okay, right. uh, kibbutz. Kibbutz is yes. a communal, uh, how would you describe it? All things in common community. Okay. Um, the original kibbutzim, that's plural for kibbutz, the mm -hmm. kibbutzes in Israel were socialistic. <laughs> mm-hmm origin people coming from europe and wanting this very socialistic life mm -hmm. at the very beginning it was actually a beneficial thing simply because the early settlers were just breaking ground it was it was just for their survival it's like we don't all need our own house just everybody <laughs> squeeze sure. in and then everybody go out to the field and then everybody come in and like one person can make supper and one person can watch the children and everybody else can work mm -hmm. we don't all need our own everything so it worked well for a couple generations and then fell apart as, as Israel was beginning their formation mm -hmm. um, years. With the kibbutz Beit El, it's a bunch of mostly German Christians. So it's a very unusual kibbutz, but the Lord brought them over and they have amazing, miraculous stories of how he brought them in, how he made a place for them and the, the work that God did in their hearts and in the hearts of the Israelis to enable them to stay because they've been there for about 60 years. A bunch of German people showing up <laughs> 60 years ago was not a welcome thing. Yeah, I was going to say, at that time, right. they kind of had a bad taste yeah. for bratwurst. Right. You know, right. that just yeah. that was still so, fresh. Yeah, very, very fresh. So really amazing stories, and then the Lord has used them in the land for a very long time. But also, again, a very humble spirit saying, we are here to serve. Mm -hmm. We're not here to take from you. We're not here to preach to you. We are here to serve you and to love you. And that's it. So we've been really blessed. I've gone with hands to the land three times, I think. Mm -hmm. And then nine times with Hayovel and then other times just as... As a tourist. Trips, right. Okay. Yeah. If someone were to go for their first time, mm -hmm. how would you suggest doing it? Because 
I tell everyone growing up right over the river from New York City, I right. say, do not just go to New York City by yourself. Right. If you have a weekend, you're exactly. going to waste so much time and money just spinning your around. wheels. Yeah. Right. And if you go with someone that knows what they're doing and where they're going, mm -hmm. you can really, mm -hmm. you know, um, have a very efficient trip where you have a good time and you get to see everything you want and it'll right. be a good experience. Right. Okay. So tell me, I want to go to Israel. Um, believe it or not, the preacher that used to do tours over there that I really liked and wanted to go with. He mm -hmm. has since passed away. Mm -hmm. So now who do yeah. I go with? What do I do? Yeah, it's a good question. It might depend on how much time you have. Okay. Most of your typical church tours are 10 days, eight to 10 days. Mm -hmm. And it is a literal whiplash kind Whirlwind. of experience. Yes. Where it is, you fly in and you hit the ground running and you're okay. in the bus and you drive and you're touring four, mm -hmm. five, six places in one day. And it's like, get off, hear your thing, take your picture, get back on the bus, drive, get oh, off, really? take your picture, hear your thing, get back on the bus. And they're just like zooming you around the country. Yeah. If you want to see everything. You can't do it everything, in one trip. That's your way to just like supposedly get it all in. Get right? all the, and really you're just getting a picture you're just getting of a you picture. and your spouse in Correct. front of the whatever. In front of this pile of rocks yeah. and that pile of rocks okay. and that pile yeah. of rocks. A friend of ours did one of those and she's very grateful she went. Okay. But she had a little voice recorder mm -hmm. thing and she just stood next to the tour guide everywhere they stopped mm -hmm. and recorded. Oh, that's and a good And she idea. said if she had not done that, mm -hmm. she wouldn't have one clear memory Remembered of anything. anything. Oh. So there are... Tours done by people that we know or ministries that we know, they tend to focus, maybe have a, like a theme for their tour. Sure. You're not going to run around fast, fast, fast and get everything. Mm -hmm. You'll get a, probably a pretty good taste of the country along with history teaching or Bible teaching or that kind of thing. With that, a tour is great. And if it's your only option, do it. Mm. But you're just touring. <laughs> when you can take a little bit of extra time, where you can actually sit down <laughs> and say, wow, I'm in Shiloh. Mm -hmm. And this is where Hannah came and prayed. And this is where Samuel grew up. And this is where this and this is where this. And you get to kind of settle into the land a little bit. Mm -hmm. It totally changes everything. And then when you get a chance to actually serve, do something. Don't just run around in a bus, mm -hmm. but take the time to serve. Find a way to invest and then you get so much more out of it. You actually start to make relationships. You meet people. You get to connect with people. And it, it's a totally different experience. So far better to maybe pray and save a little extra money and spend a little more time. If you are going to go with Hayovel, and I'm assuming you have the answers to these questions because you just told me <laughs> that if I called you, right. I would be talking to you. Yes. So if you were going to go for a trip with them mm -hmm. to help, uh, they mostly deal with uh, grape or vineyards? They deal with grapes. It's actually growing more now. They do the grape harvest in the fall, and they have different length trips, mm -hmm. two week, a three week, a five week. But now they're starting a new program called the Greening Israel Project, and that's planting trees mm. and doing some other projects like that, which is so exciting. Tree plant, the, the vineyards in Israel are prophesied. And so when you go and you get to help in the vineyards, you are literally holding, holding prophecy in your hands. You can eat it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can eat prophecy. Yeah. It's amazing. But the trees are also very prophesied all throughout the prophet's of the like the regeneration and the renewing and the redemption of the land is 
trees. And so it's so exciting that they're working on this new project. So that's also an option. They also, just this beginning of May, did a new program called the Heartland Experience. And that would be a really excellent one if people didn't have a lot of time. I th it wasn't even quite two weeks. It was two weeks. And it was very much a combination of touring and volunteering, a very even mix of both. Okay. So really excellent stuff. And even when you go over there for one of these longer trips to mm -hmm. help with the harvesting, right. I'm going to guess you still have your weekends, so to speak. So you still get to, you know, try you to get out downtime. and see. You don't get to get out. Oh, really? Because we're in a very isolated place. Oh, and okay. you have no transportation. <laughs> oh. But we have regular tours, usually twice a week. And and it's not just kind of your plastic tour. Yeah. It's not just zip in, zip out, get your picture, here we go. It's from people it's that from live people there. It's from people that live there. You mm -hmm. get to usually take some time to just, like I said, settle in. Like sit down and read your Bible for a little bit or, mm -hmm. or just look around and imagine all these things. So lots of touring. Hayavel also brings speakers in on a regular basis. Mm. So you're learning from people who have been living there, people who have, you know, from the government or from here or from there, all these different people, rabbis, teachers. And there was a gentleman who came for a three-week trip, older gentleman, a few years ago. And he stood up at the end and he said, I've been to seminary. I've been to Bible schools. I've been to conferences. I've been to all these things. He said, I've learned more in three weeks than I think I have in my entire life. No kidding. He said, you pack in so much information. Mm -hmm. He said, I have learned. I, I had no idea that this was the kind of experience I, was be, I would be getting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Any idea what the price tag would be that you should expect? Mm -hmm. Say a couple. Mm -hmm. Okay. Husband and wife, they want to go over there for... I don't know. You said two, three, five right. weeks, something right. like that. Let's pick in the middle. Yeah. They want to go for three weeks, really have some time. Yeah. What should they plan on? I'm afraid to ask. You right. know, I haven't, there's gotta be I haven't a looked at the price at least one this year. Um, if I remember correctly, it's around 2000 mm -hmm. for a three week trip. Yeah. I mean, that's, per, per person. Sure. But that's, that's not including your you airline. No, vacation. you know, that's no. not expensive. And a good friend of mine went, of course you are working there. You are working. So they are benefiting. You're kind of, the you farmers know, are benefiting. Yeah. They're provide. Mm -hmm. you're providing a service and correct. they're giving you a good, and that's room and board, correct? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there well, are the farmers. Got it. We just bless them. Okay. There's Hayovel, the organization. And Hayovel hosts us. Got it. They have been blessed by a Jewish community on the Mount of Blessing. In mm -hmm. the Bible, we have the two mountains, the Mount of Cursing and the Mount of Blessing. Mm -hmm. The Jewish community that lives on the Mount of Blessing told Hayovel, you may use this land. Oh, okay. So they have built their offices and the homes of the staff families and housing for the volunteers on this place. Which is important because foreigners are not allowed to own land in Israel. Correct. Okay. Well, you can. Really? But it's it's just a lot of red tape sure. and stuff. No, you can. Okay. Um, so we Is are, there an actual mount of cursing? There is. I've okay. been on it. The oh. Joshua's altar is on it. Really? Scripture talks about Joshua built the altar sure. on Mount Ebal. Uh -huh. It's there. You can it's go to it there? today. Yes. No kidding. Yes. It's amazing. Is it roped off? No. It should be. <laughs> do, people, do people vandalize these things? Yes. Yes, it has been rebuilt 
yeah. a couple different times recently. Wow. And actually, maybe you've heard about this on the news. They recently found a cistern mm. right there, which hadn't been discovered yet. It was a very wow. recent find. But also they had done a lot of the wet sifting. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is. Wet sifting in archaeology is where you take all the dust, basically, all the little pieces left over from big archaeology works. yeah. And then they do a wet sifting where you have the, it's almost like gold mining. Sure. You have sieves and you have, mm. um, what's the word? Water. <laughs> <laughs> no, like a, a strainer kind of thing. Sure. And then water and then mm -hmm. you mix it all together and then you search through all of these little pieces. They just found a little metal tablet like this big mm -hmm. with, I think it's the oldest. Thumb drive. <laughs> kind of <laughs> the oldest hebrew writing found really it is look it up it wow. is amazing the find from mount ebal mm -hmm. it's actually a little i think they call it like a charm somebody would have worn it but it was actually a written out curse <laughs> and it was on the mount, and of mount on the mount of cursing and it's blowing the archaeological world's mind i'm sure yeah it's well, really amazing I can tell you this. So everything that I've read, and there are a couple archaeologists that have done work over there that I've really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And everything I've read, you can't throw a stick <laughs> without you kidding. No. You know. No. And, and I mean, these got one of these, one of these guys was, uh, you know, at some wall mm -hmm. that was, and the, okay, so have you ever read the, I don't even want to, I think it's Bob Cornuke who wrote yes. a book about the temple right. and its actual location. Have right. you ever read this? <laughs> I haven't read it. You've heard about it. I have heard about it many times. Okay. So I love it because it's a wildly controversial book. <laughs> super controversial. Mostly because everyone has always assumed mm -hmm. that the temple was built on, you know, the high ground. Right. Okay. Which is where the Dome of the Rock currently sits. Correct. Which causes a problem if that's the location for right. the next temple that's going to be built. Because mm -hmm. that Dome of the Rock is going to have to move. And Islamicists are typically not, not that in favor fond of, that. of moving things for <laughs> Jews, let alone anybody else. Okay. So uh, this book talks about how it's like, this is not where the temple was. Mm -hmm. And it's a great book. You really have to read it because you will be convinced by the end of it. I have not <laughs> met anyone that has read the book and is not like, this is obvious. How? I have. You know. Multiple. What? It's not true. What? His his theory yeah. is blown out of the water. Get out of here. No, serious. When you go there. You're sure of this. Absolutely. 100%. Dome of the Rock has to move. Um, To erect an altar. The Dome of Iraq does not have to move. But for a temple. To begin, I have to make sure I get this right. I, I might right. not. Um, to Keep begin, in mind, I'm not an archaeologist. Yeah. And to I begin don't have a sacrificial offerings, yeah. which would be like temple service. Sure, which is what's needed. Right. You don't have to move the Dome of the Rock, from what I've been told. Would that include a Holy of Holies, or would that just include an altar with a brass laver and, That's a good question. you know... Right. Because you killed the offerings and sacrificed them right inside mm -hmm. the door. and Those no were in the courtyard. Yeah. Right. And then nobody but the priests went into, into the, the next two, you know. Yeah. See, when I, so what I'm envisioning really, so mm -hmm. even though we call it a courtyard, mm -hmm. when we talk about the tabernacle, 
it was inside the fabric wall. Correct. Okay, so that's what I'm calling the temple. Got it. Even though it is the outer court. Right. Okay. Got it. The place where Yeshua drove all the money changers and animal people. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, because the Antichrist stands Mm up not on the altar of sacrifice, but Mm -hmm. in the Holy of Holies. Does it say specifically the Holy of Holies? Mm -hmm. Okay. He causes the sacrifice to cease. Right. And his standing up is an abomination of desolation. Right. And the idea is that the abomination of desolation only takes place in the Holy of Holies. Mm. Other things have been desecrated. But, and I don't know if you've ever looked into the different famous figures that intended on desecrating the Holy of Holies Mm. and died right outside. You know, there were Roman emperors that stated, we are going there now and we are, you know, bulldozing this place. Yeah, and they died before the campaign, you know, made it to Israel. And everyone's like, the next Caesar was like, all right, everyone back home. You know, we don't care about this place. Um, There was another, um, and I'm ill-prepared to talk about this, but there was another world leader, you know, during those days uh, that wanted to go desecrate the temple and he had a um he had a seizure hmm. and was uh incapacitated and had to be carried away anyway well. <clears throat> it's really something yeah. so but you're convinced there's no chance 100 percent. all right i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to go back to <laughs> this book to and read a bunch of more books <laughs> yes well and you know in the end what i always tell everyone is whenever we're dealing with prophecy the one thing that i can promise everybody is that the way we think it's going to work out is it is guaranteed not to work out that way <laughs> because that's why the Jews were not able to understand all the other prophecies because they they would hear them mm-hmm. the the biggest one I explain to people is this I say in the Old Testament there and I don't know if you've ever read anything on this there mm-hmm. was a period of time or not a period of time but a large group that believed there must be two messiahs correct because of the prophecies and how wildly different they were right they could not imagine one guy doing these these. and it never occurred to anyone oh he comes twice you know looking back it's easy for us to see that but it never would have occurred to us so that's Mm -hmm. why i always explain to folks when we're talking about prophecies and end time it seems to be pointing a very clear, painting a very clear picture, pointing right. us in a clear direction. But there's a way where God fulfills the prophecy in a manner that none of us would have ever seen coming. Mm-hmm. And it holds true and it works mm-hmm. out perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, oh, you <laughs> right. know. So anyway, I, uh, I, I always take comfort in that yes. with no matter how strong my beliefs are in certain areas of prophecy. I'm like, yeah, right. I can't wait to see how I'm wrong about this. <laughs> so, <Yes. clears throat> okay, Megan, we are at an hour. Um, thank you so very much for coming. Um, I would definitely love to have you on here again. We could talk about some more things, but it was certainly interesting. And I think uh, a lot of our folks are going to, uh, enjoy listening to this. And I got to be honest with you, I did not regret 
having a woman <laughs> in the studio. So I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. So good job. Uh, that was wonderful. So uh, good night, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Uh, if you're watching this video, be sure to scan one of the QR codes there on the screen and uh, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. We're also on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Audible, pretty much every place you can listen to a podcast. And if you are listening to us on a podcast, don't forget, you can always join us live on video every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, either on Facebook Live or YouTube Live. And the handle is Bible Thumper Podcast, wherever you search for us. So have a good evening and thank you for joining us.